Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today we are heading to deep south in northeast Mississippi to talk with Patricia Bradley. Patricia is a USA Today bestselling author known for her captivating romantic suspense novels. Her latest book, Counter Attack, is out now. So, Patricia, welcome to the RV. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It just amazes me that the technology we have. Um, I, actually, when you say Northeast Mississippi, I am 20 miles from the Alabama line and four from the Tennessee. So it is truly in the corner. Oh, and I'm sure this is an amazing place to live. It is. It's a small town. And you know how, I don't know if you know how small towns are, but Everybody knows what everybody's doing. <laughs> yes, I know, because now I'm living in a small place, and I just love it. I don't know if I could live in big cities anymore. No, I, I was in Little Rock. I drove through Memphis. I keynoted a conference this past weekend, and I drove through Memphis to Little Rock. No, I do not want to live in a big city anymore. Patricia, it sounds like you've had quite adventurous encounters with horses. <laughs> yes, I have. I have been bucked off twice. I have. I had one to rear up and fall back on my legs. Didn't break anything, but 1,200 pounds on your legs does not leave you without damage. And how did you manage to handle those unexpected dismounts? Very gingerly. <laughs> You just, I mean, you go with the flow. I mean, if you don't, you'll be in, if you, if you freeze, you're going, I mean, it, it happens so quickly that you really don't have time to react. It's afterwards that you react. Yeah. In my case, when I was a teenager and I tried horseback riding for the first time, a dog suddenly passed by causing oh. the horse to jump. Can you imagine, yeah. Patricia? Yeah. So although I managed to, to stay on the horse, the incident left me incredibly scared. Since then, I've never mustered the courage to try horseback riding again. I love riding. It's been a while since I've ridden because I don't have horses anymore, but my daughter does, but uh, she uses them for therapy and I don't usually ride them anymore. I usually lead them for her therapy patients. <laughs> But I love horses, always did. After this experience, did being bucked off a horse twice made you afraid of horseback riding or did you find the courage to continue pursuing it? Well, I, I knew that if I didn't get back on the horse, I never would again. So it, it wasn't a question of if, it was how soon. Mm -hmm. And how do you personally deal with fear when it comes to your own 
experiences with horseback riding? I mean, how do you manage fear? You you do the next thing. And that's, I guess that's my mantra for life is you do the next thing. And if it's getting on a horse, you get on the horse and you do it, whether you want to or not. Uh, Basically, I don't think I... I know a lot of writers that they write and they're afraid to send their manuscripts out. I never had that problem. I don't think I've ever been afraid of anything in my life, which is not a good thing. Yeah, sometimes. I've never been afraid to try anything. My my parents told me I could do anything I wanted to do if I set my mind to it. And I believed them. Yeah, that's inspiring. And you are courageous, I have to admit. It, It. It just, I mean, if you're going to be around horses, I mean, I just wasn't going to be intimidated. I mean, I'm intimidated. Yes, these are huge animals. And, but they're, uh, you just do the next thing. I think that's the way I look at life is you just do the next thing. Yeah. I like this conception. And before we dive into your latest book, Counter Attack, the first book, this is the first book of the Pure River series. Right. That's correct. The first, so, yeah. first one set in Tennessee. No, well, my cold cases were set in Tennessee, but it's this is set in the mountains. Okay. So, Patricia, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay. I was, I didn't. I didn't start out to be a writer. I'm not one of those who knew that she wanted to be a writer from the time she was took her first step or whatever, but uh, when I was 35, I couldn't sleep, and so I was staring at the ceiling, and all of a sudden, a man appeared in my vision, in my head, and he was standing at a window, and he turned to me, and he said, my life wasn't supposed to turn out like this. I thought, wow. So I began to tell myself stories about what went wrong in his life. And I never wrote him a down, but a down. But they, they, those stories left. But these other people came to live in my head, and they wouldn't go away till I told their stories and sent them off to a publisher. And so, the very first short story I ever wrote, Woman's World, which is a big magazine, bought it, and which blew my what me away, and which I think was a god thing because you know they get ten thousand submissions a month. And mine was put, and 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 I sent. They they asked for twenty five hundred, and I sent forty five hundred words. They should have put it in an envelope and sent it back to me and said, "When you learn how to follow directions, we'll look at it." But they didn't. <laughs> she cut it. The the editor loved it, and she cut it. So um, that's how I got started writing. That's a great story. Yeah, sometimes people just look at, at things and they say, "No." This word count is not matching. Yeah, and what back then you sent an envelope and they send it. You send it in physically, and they physically send it back to you. And that's by all rights, that's what she should have done, but she didn't. She saw something in my writing that she liked, and that encouraged me to keep going. Mm-hmm. And how did you first become interested in writing romantic suspense? Not- that's all I read. I, that, I always read romantic suspense, and so that uh, Mary Higgins Clark, 
uh, Phyllis Whitney. I mean, just different ones. And that just intrigued me. And, and so I've, I've read and read and read and read. I mean, I, I was a reader first. I read, I, I taught myself how to read by the comics when I was four or five. And I was reading ever since. And so I love, I still read. I read every night before I go to bed. Sometimes till three o'clock in the morning, which is not a good thing. Me too. Yeah. I can't sleep without reading. And the following day, I'm like a zombie. Yeah. I keep saying one more page, one more, and then till it's three o'clock in the morning and it says the end. And Patricia, your latest book, it was mm -hmm. published in May. It's entitled Counter Attack. Correct. The opening of Counter Attack immediately immerses the reader in a world of suspense and danger. Right. And you know, what called my attention is that the presence of the dark web. Could you provide us with a glimpse into this storyline and tell us a little bit about this book? This book, it, it's just fantastic. Thank you. I have been fascinated with the dark web for a long time. Uh, and, you know, when you think of the dark web, you think it's all bad, but really it isn't because... People in China and Russia use it to communicate with their families because they can't be traced. I mean, that's the, the thing about the dark trace, dark web is people really can't be traced. Mm -hmm. Your location can't be traced. Your emails can't be traced back to you. I mean, they can, but it might make take a trillion years, but because they are it's called the Tor browser is what you find the dark web on. And it's called, TOR stands for the Onion Router, T-O-R, because of the layer, the many layers in there. And so I actually took a class on how to access the dark web. And it's really very simple. I mean, and they do suggest you download the browser, the TOR browser on your, on a jump drive so that if someone, if, you know, bad things do happen on it. And if someone, somehow you felt danger, all you do is pull that jump drive out and you're gone with no way of tracing you. So it, it's very fascinating. The whole series, I mean, the whole concept is fascinating. And then there are bad things on there, but there are bad things in everything. You just have to be uh, aware of it and not, not go there. I was reading this book and... The main characters, particularly Nathan. Mm, yeah, I like Nathan. so sweet and patient. How do you create your characters? Are they inspired by real people? Oh. Now, well, in, in a way, because um, I, everything that comes into... Everything that comes into a writer... They come in and, and they store it and then pull it out. Uh, like with Nathan, I, I don't know. I just knew he would be strong. Uh, and But yet, and, and he, that he still loved Alex, but he won't call her Alex. And that's one of the ways that he shows his strength to me is he insists on calling her Alexis. And he's about the only one that ca who calls her Alexis. And so... Uh, 
but but he has he he's he he he's comfortable with who he is he doesn't feel threatened by her abilities and that is so rare because a lot of times men are threatened by a woman's abilities and alex is very smart and very courageous and very you know she can do so much that some men might be threatened by her but he's not because he's comfortable with who he is mm-hmm. and I, I hope that came through Mm-hmm. And he was patient with her, but he he didn't really he just I don't think she realized what she had when she left town to go away to college. All she had on her mind was getting out of uh, Pearl Springs. Mm-hmm. She wanted to experience the world yeah. and then found out it wasn't everything she thought it was. How did you gather information and delve into the world of chess? and crime scenes to bring authenticity to this story. I have taught many children how to play chess. I know the moves. I know I just really don't grasp the concept. I mean, I don't, I'm ADHD. So Mm -hmm. to be able to think three or four moves ahead, I advertised on Facebook for a chess master. (laughs) And a woman and this lady volunteered her brother and I contacted him and he was very happy to uh, help me out. And so I I gave him the concept of the story and he plotted out what chess move needed to go with what murder or what scene. And so because I didn't know the names of all of those the the you know chess is a, basically a memorization of formulas yeah. and i guess that's probably that's why i never did well in algebra and geometry i couldn't memorize formula i am a words person not a numbers person so but i like to have played chess <laughs> you know that concept of because i did chess just fascinates me i love I love the thought of playing chess, the actual doing of it, not so much. I'm the same. I'm not good with Mm -mm. memorizing, so I was not really good in math, but good in languages and other things. We we all have some strengths in one. And Patricia, as an author, what does success mean to you and how do you measure it? Um. Someone asked me that this weekend, and my answer then is the same now. Well, after my second first book came out, I was we I was at teaching at a conference, and uh, a lady bought that first book and took it home and read it. And she emailed me back, and she said, "I love this book, but you made a mistake on such and such a page." And I thought, "Okay." She said, "You called a respiratory therapist a respiratory nurse." I said, no, I didn't my, mentally. I said, because I know there's no such thing as a respiratory nurse. They're respiratory therapists. I looked and lo and behold, on that page, there were the words respiratory nurse. Now, why I put that, I do not have a clue. I have never, I mean, I know that does, it, I know better. So anyway, she told me she'd been a nurse for some 35 years. And since the next book was about a doctor, I asked her, if she would read the book and let, and correct any mistakes like that. And she agreed. Well, we worked together on that book. She saved my hiney a time or two with her suggestions because I had 
doctors doing things they can't do. And so, uh, but at the end, after I turned it in, I, th I thanked her and I wanted to give her something. So since I met her at a writer's conference, I assumed she wanted to be a writer. And she said, well, after I sell what you went through, I don't want to be a writer. I don't need a craft book. <laughs> but she said, the thing is, I know I was supposed to be there and meet you. I know I was supposed to help you with this book because the problem that your uh, heroine has, it's a promise to protect, is the same one I've had all my life. And the problem, the, the, the deep emotional wound that the heroine in A Promise to Protect is, she overheard her mother tell her father when she was eight or nine that uh, her mother said, I told you we shouldn't have had that other kid. Well, she was that kid. So she didn't, and her father did not correct her mother. So she felt like she was a mistake and she wasn't loved. And so, and she said, seeing how your character, your heroine, uh, dealt with that problem showed me that I could do it too. And I said, it, and I did, and it's changed my life. And it's changed my kids' lives. And I'm sitting there with tears going down, running down my face, reading her email. And so that's that's basically why I write, is to, hoping that, some, I mean, I write Christian fiction. It's, it has a very subtle message, but it shows how Christians deal with the world's problems or their own problems in a Christian way, depending on God, after they have first tried to do it on their own, usually, and not in failing. So, that, and I think if, I, I'll, I always wanted to write Christian fiction to show readers that Christians don't have it made. We have problems like everybody else. The difference is the way we solve them. So, uh, I, and I think that uh, that's that that's why I write. That's what I hope to accomplish. And if I have done that, then that is successful. I've been I've been successful. I'm sure you were touching many people's hearts. I hope. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Would you like to leave a message for our listeners today? Well, the main thing is, is that God has a plan and you have a plan. Life will be a whole lot easier if you go with God's plan instead of your own. Had I done that, I probably would have been published much earlier than what I was instead of trying to do things my way. That my, my script, my writing scripture is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, I thought I was delighting myself in the Lord. And then one day I'm reading the scripture again and I look down at verse seven and it says, wait patiently for the Lord to act. So it's two things. It is delight yourself, but also wait because God's timing is better than our timing. Had I been published one year earlier, I would be embarrassed by that book because I learned so much in the year of of that year. So 
I always understand that God's timing is the best. In fact, my job, God's job is to get me published. My job is to do the work, to learn the craft and do the work that needs to be done so that when God opens the door, I can go through it. And I think that's what we, no matter what it is, I think we need to always be prepared. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you for these beautiful words and everything has a meaning. Absolutely. When it doesn't happen, it's because I think it was not to happen. It was the it, the right not the right timing, you know. And God always gives an answer: yes, no, or wait. And so, and we're we're I think we're better dealing with no than we are wait because we don't have the patience. We want to go on. We want to we we're in a hurry. Well, God's not in a hurry. He's never early, but he's never late. Well, he can be early, but. To our way of thinking, but in his way of thinking, he's never early. He's always on time. I I agree with you. And Patricia, I'm sure our listeners want to find you and your books online. Can you share with us your contacts, please? You can find me at ptbradley.com or Patricia Bradley Books. I have just recently created that website, and it is for counterattack. I, I created it. it the, the background is the Cumberland Plateau, the Smoky Mountains, like, and because they are in the foothills of the Smokies. It's part of the Appalachian chain of mountains. And so uh, I've got it, just, I think it's a really pretty website. And uh, you, there's a lot of information there, too. I also have a blog. One more thing I have a blog. And on Tuesdays, I have a mystery question. And I have three, four, four crimes, four dumb criminals, usually. Three of them are true that I have found on the, you know, where people have been arrested for dumb crimes. And then I make up one and my readers guess which crime I made up. And so, and every, every month I either give away a book from my library or one of my books or a gift card. And and then on Fridays I review other authors, I review uh, books I read. So uh, and I I have gone from I'm probably getting over a, a couple of thousand readers a month now. I mean I'm it's growing. It went from a hundred a month to now I'm getting a whole lot more readers, and so. But it's fun. It's what a lot of people connect on Facebook, and I do. But I, of all of it, I prefer the blog because it seems like it's more personal. Because I answer every comment that I get, mm-hmm. and so I've de- I have the some of the you know I've developed relationships with some of the regulars who comment. I mean, it's like they're friends. I mean, they are friends. But 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 you to be a friend, you have to get to know someone. And so I think people get to know me through my blog. They know I'm crazy. They know I kill people, but they know I find justice. This is the most important thing. Yeah. Patricia, I'm going to subscribe to your blog now. Thank you. We finish. Yes, yeah. the interview. See if you can solve the crime. Yeah, let's see if I can. I'm kind of distracted. I don't know if I can. Do I? Well, it's, it's just three scenarios where uh, three of them are true and one is made up. Okay, I'll try it tonight. Yeah. And 
For our listeners, if you want to learn more about Patricia, go to our website, www.relatable-media.com and grab your magazine. Patricia, thank you very much for sharing your story and also about your books with us. I wish I can come back to Mississippi again. Yes, you'll have to come back and I guess I'll have another book coming out in February, the second book. I will have two books come out next year, Fatal okay. Witness and the book I'm working on now. Okay, so that means that I'm going to come back. Write. Yes, it yeah. will be a pleasure. Yeah, and I'm going to go and get your magazine. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.